All right, guys, welcome back to the Adam Peter Fitness Podcast. Today on the show, I have Matt Venna. Um, he is a competitor in the 105 kilo weight class uh, for the Canadian national team. Um, I believe you've been at IPF Worlds, um, have had you know quite a bit of success in this sport. And I think that most people know you from lots of your TikTok um, uh, videos and reels. Right now, um, Matt is basically crushing those um, a, lot, a lot right now. And Matt also had a well, probably the, his biggest performance yet at Canadian Nationals, um, which we'll talk about a little bit. But I uh, wanted to really thank Matt for, for coming on. And is there anything else you'd like to say about yourself? Well, that pretty much covers it. Thanks for having me, too. Cool, man. Um, so I want to go actually go into um, sort of what we into that performance at Nationals, because I know that you were pretty vocal about how your volume decreased. So um, would you mind going a little bit into that prep and everything, you know, what maybe caused you to make those decisions because I feel like a lot of lifters might be in a similar spot and might not know it yeah yeah for sure so I go back a bit to like my last world's performance and that was uh 2022 and I did pretty poorly and I was trying to look back at my training to see what I had gone wrong and I just kind of realized that like for the past years like my whole training history I'd been doing like tons of volume tons of frequency right just like more 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 always more is better and I realized like, I just, it just wasn't sustainable anymore. Like not only because like my work capacity had gone down with like between COVID, like being at home all the time. So I wasn't as like fit, like walking around. And also just like, as I got bigger and stronger, right? Like the absolute loading is more and I weigh more, it's just harder to recover. So I used to do like 15 sets a week on squats and deadlifts. And at one point I was at my extreme point, I was doing six times per week squat bench and deadlift, but before worlds, I was doing three times each, which even for like, I think most people who get to lifting as much as me, they rarely do like three times a week squats and deadlifts, especially it's rarely three times a week. But anyways, I had like pretty bad glute pain and sciatica after worlds. So I did like this modified rehab block I'd used before, where I was basically just doing like three sets a week on squats and deadlifts just at first. And then like, I would add a bit of volume over the block as the pain got better and better. And I had signed up for this meet kind of impulsively and I wasn't really better like like even like two weeks out, I was still in pretty bad pain. So I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll just like kind of do like token lifts at the meet. And then like a week out, like my strength suddenly like shot up. My singles were pretty good. I was like, okay, like maybe I, I'll hit better than I expected. Like I probably wasn't going to PR my total. I wasn't expecting that, but you know, I could still hit something decent, right? Like not like way below my best. And then, so I was warming up for the meet day. Literally like my expectations were not that great. And I remember I loaded like five reds for my last warm up, and it like flew. It was like the easiest it's ever felt. And I ended up PRing all my lifts for all meet PRs, all three lifts, PR total out of nowhere, sort of. And I was like, okay, this worked really well. I'm just gonna keep running this block of really low volume. So I literally do like day one is three sets of two to four reps pause and squats and deadlifts. And then the second day is a single and then two sets of two to four with the same weight I use for the pause weight. So it's, it's very minimalist. Kept running that into a second meet. It was like a local money meet. And again, PR'd all of my lifts, all-time strong PRs, gym or on the platform. Ran it again to nationals. Again, PR'd every lift. Uh, even though I didn't like, uh, I didn't hit some of the best numbers I could have. Like I could have, I left some kilos on the platform because I made some attempts to try and win. But basically, I started doing this minimalist volume, and my strength just kept going up since. Like, part is the gaining body weight, but there were points where I was gaining body weight even beforehand, running all this volume, and I wasn't getting stronger. 
yeah, in summary, just in this case, less was more. Yeah, so I, I think that's like really insightful because I've certainly had some periods of like, like with some of my athletes where they, they've come to me and they've been doing um, lots of volume. And some of the things that tends to happen is um, those overuse injuries um, that exactly. tend to like crop up a lot. And that is like, although pain isn't, I mean, like, it's not, uh, it's, we don't know much about it still. Um, right. But like that definitely does, regardless, if you're in pain, you're going to have reduced nervous system system output. And so, you know, having, finding some sort of programming structure that lowers that down, basically helps, it allows you to make, make progress is um, ideal. And actually like one of my clients and assistant coaches, Philip, um, he came, came to me and he was in a similar spot to you where he was doing like three times a week squatting. Um, I think it was doing even three times a week deadlifting too, and four times a week benching. We literally went down to like two times a week squatting, once a week deadlifting, and three times a week benching, and just all of a sudden PRs and has been the healthiest he's he's ever been. Um, in regards to what you were doing with um like accessories, were you doing like much in the way of that on squats and deadlifts, or is it mostly just no, that? Just squat and deadlift volume, no accessories at all for lower body. So were your down sets like? hard or like rather light yeah before they were pretty light they were all pretty submaximal like only really the single would be hard and then the rest of them were submaximal but even then like i'd be doing like doubles with like 75 percent, which like isn't hard but just like i was so fatigued and like so like every like i'd have to take like 10 minute rest for what's like objectively an easy set i'm just like so exhausted right and like after my sessions i'm like aching it's just like even though it's not like the intensity isn't hard it's just so much train load like it's still fatiguing so much and takes so much from you i think that's especially true in your case because like when you're objectively like you know as strong as you are like, like on squat you're doing you know 340 or right this is, this yeah. is 345 yeah you're doing 340 yeah. um like that's like 75 percent is still a lot um right. and that's something like when your objective loading increases like and as you get stronger your programming needs do change and this is i feel like one of the biggest values in having a coach is like as you do get stronger, you're going to have like different knees and different like fatigue patterns from the from the, the, the training itself. Um that it's going to just cause constant, you know, you have to know like what to look for and what to pay attention to. And so that leads into my next point. So if you are coaching somebody and if they're coming to you, um, when do you know when to increase their volume, keep it the same, or decrease it? Yeah. So like Mike Tushur made this like post with like this really simple infographic. And I think it's like perfect like way to judge this. And he says like, if you feel good and you're progressing good, right? Like that's like where we all want to be, right? Like don't change anything. And he's like, if you're feeling like bad, like basically fatigued, beat up, whatever, and you're progressing well, you're probably overdoing it a bit. You want to be cautious, right? And then if you're progressing bad, you basically see, okay, you feel recovered, like you feel fatigued and if uh, not fatigued rather. And if that's the case, you can increase the workload. And then if you're, not progressing good and you're feeling fatigued, you're feeling like tired or sore, whatever, then you're going to reduce the workload, right? So it's like a pretty simple heuristic, but it works really well. Yeah. I think that, I think there's definitely um, some, some fear associated with like lowering down volume, uh, especially yeah. because, you know, a lot of times we think, oh, well, I'm doing this. So I'm, bit, I'm habituated to this. And so if I reduce it, I'm not going to be making progress as I was even like, you know, maybe you are making progress, you know, but it's, you know, it's really slow. And maybe it's like, why shouldn't it be this slow? Like my training career in this sport, you know, um, whereas like, you know, if you do feel like really beat up though, and you're always sore and you, you know, you find it really hard to increase weight. Like, although, you know, progress as an intermediate is, is slow, 
like how you feel like you shouldn't be feeling drained and sore and exhausted all the time um i also think that's something to be said like something that my friend brendan and i talk about um is he does he does the coaching too um he was like we talk a lot about like session time and like how long you're actually yeah. in the gym because i think it's something that people don't understand too with like higher volume programs too like even if you're just doing like a lot, a lot of accessories or a lot of volume, even if it's like some maximal like 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 you were doing you're still in a sympathetic nervous system state and yeah, yeah. that like for listeners that don't aren't aware there's two nervous system states and parasympathetic which is like rest and relax is like that's where you're recovering and you're adapting to your training Rest sympathetic is when you're in the gym, your body is undergoing that, that stress and you have to, you have to per, perform. That's one of the reasons why, you know, sometimes you might come into the gym, you feel, feel like crap, really, really sluggish and whatnot. Then you get that first top set in and you're all of a sudden, oh, I have energy. I'm good. I'm good to go. Your sympathetic nervous system is, is on. So spending too much time in the gym with a lot of volume too, that can also take away from your recovery patterns. So that's, do you think that's one of the things that you noticed um, with, with yourself going to lower volume? Yeah, for sure. Like I can notice like even when I'm like trying to do my work later in the day, if I like worked out before, like I just have like my like brain doesn't work as well, like way more mind fog, like I'm slower doing processing stuff. And then just like on top of that, like the mental fatigue of just being there a long time, besides the physical fatigue, the mental fatigue as well, like it gets a bit like almost like makes you anxious, like, oh, I'm gonna have to spend all these hours here. and I'm already tired. Like it, it really adds up. Yeah. 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 So, uh, I really do appreciate you know, sort of going, going into that. Um, because I do think like, even though like we always talk about this, I think like a lot of people and like inherently know this, I think sometimes we get so caught in our own ways. And this mm -hmm. is also why I think it's so important to, um, you know, like in terms of like athlete communication to a coach, if you are working with, I'm assuming you are, um, why you need to be honest and open, like with your coach about it, because I'm assuming that like, you know, Matt, like you, when you're coaching, you probably rely really heavily on athlete feedback in terms of like knowing, like, are we doing like, I just like, you know, training, training dose and all that stuff. Right. Right. Yeah. So like in terms of, you know, it's like, if you have an athlete, like some, some people might not know, like, how do I communicate with, with my coach? Like how did, you know, describing, you know, how things, things are feeling and whatnot. Like what are some things that you think that people could really just track or communicate to their coach that would help them sort of find their more optimal I, I see that you know in air quotes because like it optimality is arranged with, with, with the volume well like being with it within that optimal dose yeah so i like have like a basic run that like just give me like basic feeling of like how sore you are how fatigued you feel right i try and do like say like one to ten scale so you can actually like have like some measurement right like if they just say like because one person's mild fatigue could be different from another person's right so like if you have the objective number you can like better track it you can try and like look at the trends over time too, right? And like make sure like, okay, if we're increasing over time generally, like you expect that at some point, right? Your fatigue's gonna build over a block. But you like you can see the rate to make sure you're not doing like too much or too little as well, right? Like you don't want to have like never getting like more fatigued. Like you want to be increasing a bit over the block, right? And so beyond that, just like learning, like having them like test their limits a bit, right? Like sometimes to start the block, I'll have them like do like some AMRAPs if, uh, or occasionally like a heavier near maximal set. So they like have a better baseline on how hard they can push as well. And then basically, yeah, from that, like, you know, some people they're not as good at like judging it if they don't have as much experience. Right. So that's why I think it's good to get that baseline pushing themselves hard as well. So they can better track for themselves. Like, okay, 
I know this is how it felt when I actually pushed myself as hard as I could or near as hard as I could. So that gives me a better spot, like a better way of knowing where I am on the scale from like not pushing myself at all to push myself hard. That's a really great, great point because, um, you know, if you don't know what failure is for, for you or what RPE 10 right. is for you, you're going to be really, um, you're not really going to be, be very accurate with it. And that's one of the reasons why like a lot, a lot of people when they are more due to like RPE training, it's like, I do think that like AMRAPs or something like that can be helpful or, you know, doing like a linear progression until they can't linear progress anymore. Like, right, right. because like, like with, like with, with my beginners, it's like, I always throw off like a really basic, just, you know, add five, 10 pounds a week with like, you mm -hmm. know, same you know, minimal volume, like th three by five, starting straight stuff. And like, then you're like, you know, there's going to be eventually be a point where that stops happening or the novice linear progression ends out. And you're going to default like be at RPE 10. And it's like, okay, well, like you can look back on that and like, see like, how did that feel? Um, actually, so I wanted to ask you um, about um, peaking because I know that you did say something um, in your stories a little bit ago and about um, that really, you know, I really resonated with me about like, how heavy do you need, do you need to go going into a meet slash? Like, should you, you go um, on your singles? Um, headed in, in, into the meat uh, from your personal experience. Yeah. So like for me personally, I used to like go, um, like I said, I was on the extreme end of volume and intensity. So before my peaks would like not add much, right? Cause I was already like basically near that limit. Like there wasn't much super compensation I could get. And then, so what I started doing now is like my volume and intensity already driven back a good bit. So even just adding like, uh, one set per day for me, that's going to be like a 33% increase in volume. And then, so that's already like a big increase on my uh, training load. And then the other thing I do is like most of my training block, like um, I'm like very submaximal. Like right now I'm not like going over like 85% on singles and I'm under 80% on all my rep work. So then when I lead up to my peaks, they're usually like, uh, I start like th uh, four weeks out so three weeks of pushing intensity and volume and then one week basically taper. So that like three weeks is basically where I get actual like heavy weights, like 90% and a bit over that as well. And I find like that for me is like how much I can handle pushing the intensity knowing where my top end strength is. And I can notice week to week, just pushing the intensity. Like I'm getting stronger. Like they're basically, even though I'm adding like 10 kilos to the bar, it's moving as fast, if not faster. Right. But that's just what works for me. Right. Like I found what, rate I can add weight to the bar and how hard I can push and get stronger without overdoing it. But it's like, it's different for every athlete. Like some, some will be able to handle like hard singles year round. And that's like perfectly fine for them. They progress better with that. Others, like they try and get to like, even like into the high 80 percentage and they're like starting to break down. They can't handle it. Their volume work is just depressed. It's terrible quality. So it's just all about finding that sweet spot for each person. Mm -hmm. So in general, like for, for you personally, go going more from, um, I think there's, there's a couple, couple, couple things there. Like one, it sounds like you have like, have had like less, like overall just um, fatigue. So like you're, you're able to go into training, like you actually got more out of your peak because you're actually better able to, you know, super compensate because your recovery hole wasn't so, so diminished. Right. right. Um, because I, I would argue a lot, you know, you're probably were a lot stronger than you actually were. And then this, you know, this, this is the interesting thing too, about, you know, the whole, lowering down volume thing too is like you might have gotten a lot of strength gain actually from that it just was so massed from your from your yeah fatigue yeah, i think that was a big part of it yeah yeah and and that's something that like i always it's, it's so hard like i say like it's chicken or the egg and this stuff like it doesn't really matter like, like are you getting stronger or not and what's most most sustainable um but sometimes like when you do like 
you know, like, I mean, because a lot of times when people are like, okay, I had this hero peak or something like that. It's just like, you're probably just too fatigued and you probably have gotten there anyways. If, mm -hmm. if you really didn't have that level of, of fatigue already, I think, I think that's probably like what you're getting, you know, what you've kind of done is you basically been able to elucidate like the signal from the noise of like right. what's actually driving progress and what do I actually need needed to drive progress that that's, that's productive versus um, is counterproductive. And I, I want to ask you in terms of like that intensity response, do you find it has to more so to do with like lifters leverages that sort of, you know, correlate with can they handle higher intensity or do you think it's a little more complicated than that? Well, I think leverage does play a part, right? Like somebody who's like really built a deadlift, like long arms, like short range of motion, like they're going to be able to handle more deadlift volume than somebody who's like really short arms, really bent over, right? So they're getting a ton of loading, like they're doing more mechanical work per rep, right? that's part of it but there's also like there's absolute loading like i talked about like as i've gotten stronger i need to do less because it's like literally more stimulus and then there's like also like some people like i coach like they got like kids they got like a physically demanding job right like it, there's not just there's serious fatigue coming to them not from the lifting side of things versus somebody who's like a high school student like basically no other commitments liftings are only real fatigue and then there's like also like uh training age as well um like their literal age like i've coached some older lifters as well they can't handle as much versus like somebody who's going through puberty they got like a ton of energy they can handle a ton and recover quickly like you basically throw a little, everything at them and they're going to be fine yeah there's a lot of factors that go into it but yeah leverage would be one of them but you gotta look at the whole picture as well yeah mm -hmm. yeah i i i think that's important um just realize i i personally have found that for myself like for most of my athletes, I prefer like just a very like low, like slow ramping peak, right? We don't, don't go about like a single eye, like eight, like going in, into the knee on squat and deadlift. And then, you know, maybe, maybe a true nine on, on bench press. Um, mm -hmm. I, my, my preference is sort of like in the block BB before I might push them closer to like a nine or 9.5 on things just like see where is your strength actually? Because like, I think one of the things that people, people always focus on like lowering down fatigue going into me, it's, it's just as much about that as like accentuating like getting stronger into the meat right, right. because yeah. go ahead uh the thing you said about like uh not just getting stronger but uh also like cutting the or not just kind of fatigue but also getting stronger like that's part of what i've started doing is like i don't i tend to not push the like um i don't taper as aggressively like i try and do it shorter time right and then the compensate from that i may not push the peak as hard right so that way, like you're not, when you decrease the uh, fatigue during the taper, it's not like you don't risk overshooting it as much, uh, overshooting the mark. Like then they come to meet day and they end up feeling like they're like uh, like out of practice or whatever. Like squats feel off because they just like you do decrease the load so much that they're like literally their fitness went down as well. Yeah, yeah. because that like I've had some times where I have had the i'm just so fatigued it's like oh hopefully i recover like i just get back up back up to baseline like that's psychologically stressful and like sometimes that does happen during during peaks or whatnot but if you know it, you should be like paying attention to to that and like saying like it's like one of the things i always will tell my athletes is like if something feels wrong if you're like if something like feels like you're so fatigued or like you might get hurt from doing something like it's never worth like pushing through rushing through, through that you can, you right. know, there's, it's, it, you know, it's getting stronger. It's not ever just about like one to one session. And, you know, if you have to cut volume a little bit or do you want to go on to like an accessory lift, that's similar instead to get, you know, some sorts of loading 
on the muscle that's much better, um, especially close to to a, to a meet. Um, because if your fatigue gets out of control, or if you get hurt, or you know that elbow pain that you're dealing with it gets worse and worse and worse, uh, man, you, you know a week might not be might not be enough. Right, right. So, um, in regards to, um, I, I kind of I, I resident talk about about this first, but uh, we'll talk about it now. Like, what sort of got you started with powerlifting and strength training? Um, what was your background? like we had like this high school lifting class like you could do like regular gym class or this other version where you got to lift weights so i did that i basically like i didn't know what i was doing i was like the typical like dumb young kid in the gym doing like half rep curls and half rep leg press and stuff and eventually i realized like okay i don't know anything about lifting i've got i gotta like look up stuff to learn and like i just looked up like beginner lifting program and then i found starting strength like power lifting program and then i basically that's how I got into it. And then eventually one of my friends was competing. He's like, oh, you should do the competition with me. And I was like, yeah, sure. And then, yeah, basically that's how I got into it. Yeah. So um, oh. did you find that you were naturally pretty strong? Um, so like to start, like I'd always been like, not like, not that strong as a kid, not that big. I wasn't that athletic either. Um, like my first time I tried benching, I like, they had like, somebody had 80 pounds load on the bench and I tried and I like, didn't even get it off my chest. And I weighed like 160. So this is like half my body weight. Like first time I squatted, I could only do like, once I got basic form down, I was like squatting and deadlifting a plate for five reps. But like pretty quickly, I gained strength after like training consistently. Cause I think like I, I was really into it like right away. I was like, oh, this is great. Like I'm putting all my effort into it. So I wasn't like half into it, doing it casually. I was like, no, I'm like all in on this. I'm going to like bulk hard, like gain my protein and gain my sleep in and everything. And like, yeah, the results came pretty quickly once I started. Mm-hmm. So the reason why I asked about that is because I have found that I think that's straight more than any other aspect of like sports is like mostly like genetic. It's like, you know, it, it, it's a skill. Um, and I, I feel like it's very much genetically um, predetermined. Um, so I'm like, where did you like, for example, like your, where did like your novice linear progression like spit you out at? So I did like starting strength right for like three months. I think it was June to October, three or four months, whatever that is. And I, uh, I got to like 315 max on squats and deadlifts, and I think I benched 175. So like considering where I started, I basically more than doubled my starting maxes. But like the progress like was really slow after that. Like I kept doing starting strength basically, and a bit of extra accessory work. And like six months later, I was still at like 325 on squat. Like I basically capped out there. So that's when I started doing more complex programming after that. But yeah, basically your progression only got me that far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so um, in terms of like your, your progression from, from from there, I mean, like I'm assuming you moved to like more of like a daily undulating program, correct? Uh, now I do, yeah. But for a while, I was doing like Bulgarian uh, method, where I was doing like six eight a week squat and bench. That worked pretty well for squats, not so well for bench, and then deadlifts and do too well with it. And then after that, I made like my own modified program where I basically just did a ton of doubles on squats, deadlift, and bench. And yeah, within like a year after that. It took me about a year to go from a 325 squat to like 495 squat and similar on deadlift. My bench always struggled until I started really doing accessory work. But yeah, I had like good progress on squats and deadlifts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I guess my, 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 my question then from there is, um, do you think that anybody can get good at powerlifting or do you think that it mostly has to do with like genetics? No, I think everybody can get good at powerlifting. Like, especially the way it is now. Like, it's not like it has, like, 
for example, like the NFL's talent pool, right? Where you literally need like good genetics to get good in the NFL, right? I think it's like, I would say like mid 400 Wilkes or dots, whatever you want to use. Like that's probably achievable for somebody who wants to put in like all the effort, right? Like I think most people can get there if they're willing to go like work for like a decade to it. They're working hard, like strict diet, strict sleep, training hard. Like, you know, you, you can go off, you're going to go off the kilter a bit with your training. Like you don't have to be like a monk with it. But I think most people can get to mid 400s pretty quickly. There's like, uh, what's his name? Greg Knuckles. He had like studies about this where they like, it wasn't lifting, but they were doing like other exercise and they told people they had good or bad genetics, whether they actually did or not. Like they sampled it and like being told you had good genetics for exercise led to better positive results, better progress than actually having good genetics. So like part of it is expectations. Like when I started lifting, I like, like, like I said, I was like a small kid never athletic, never that strong, but I had like no doubt, like I could be like a great lifter if I put in like all my effort, like even when I was like a complete noob doing like one plate squats. So I think that's the other thing is like genetics play a role, but so do expectations. Like the placebo effect from that is so real. So I, I, I think a lot of people blame genetics when in a lot of time, it's more their expectations that are affecting them a lot. So um, how do you advise somebody to like like work through that and all they're like i do think a lot of times people are like um like sometimes you have people that have a really really fast progression like they're really really strong for like three years and nothing really really happens versus you have like also like slow burners that's like you know 50 kilos a year for like probably 10 years um like what would you recommend for for, for people in terms of like really just like i guess changing that that negative mindset around their their training if they feel like they're I mean, they feel like they're doing everything they possibly can, but they're just not getting most places or they're just like, yeah. constantly, it's like one of the things like, I, I guess for more, for more context, like, I mean, I've been running pretty hot with my, with my, with my training. Um, like I was pushing intensity on squat pretty hard, like last week and I went a little bit off, you know, off base with like what my, my programming was on Monday. Like I'd like a, I failed like a, you know, a easy double that should have been easy. And like one of my, my immediate like thoughts was like, I'm just weak today. Like, oh, I'm, I'm weak. Sorry. I, I actually, I told my, one of my spotters because she had to help me. Like, I just, the first time I fell a squat in like two years. And right. she was like, I'm sorry, I'm weak today. And she's like, no, don't think like that. And like, that was like one of the things I realized, Pratt, like, I guess I might have like a little bit of a neg- negative mindset, like how that self doubt crop in, especially if like training feels hard, if you're really like fatigued. Because I do think that power of the mind is like, it sounds like hippy dippy, but I don't think it is. I think that like that, that belief is really important. It's like, like for me, it's like, I mean, I really genuinely believe I can deadlift, you know, 800 pounds at like in the 90 kilo weight class, you know, right. even if like, right. Even though they know it's kind of hard for me, like, right, right, right now. Um, like, well, how would you like, like, what, like, I guess like what are some action steps for like, you know, improve that. Yeah. So like I said, like, obviously it's easier said than done. Like we will wish we could be like perfectly like believe in ourselves, but and part of that was just like, I was naturally like that. So it wasn't really a struggle for me. I think a big thing is like, you know, you convince yourself like, okay, rationally, you can realize like worrying about the outcome. I can't control the outcome completely, but I can control the process, right? Being like process oriented versus outcome oriented. So like you can focus on making every training session the best you can. You can focus on getting your protein and getting your calories in, focus on getting good night's sleep, right? If you, you realize like all those things you can absolutely control, you may not be able to control outcome, you can't control genetics, right? But you can control that. 
So that's like the one thing to convince yourself. But the other is like, I mentioned that genetic study, right? Like other like examples like that that will reinforce in your mind. Like there's another study, it wasn't genetics, but basically they had people train for six weeks on like the specific program they gave them. And they told them, okay, the people who have the best results, we're going to give steroids to and do it for another six weeks. And then they, they basically told everybody, no matter what, that like, okay, you, you were one of the best, so we're going to give you steroids. And then they did the exact same six-week program. And after they got the steroid, like it wasn't actually steroids, it was placebo pill with sugar. And they told them like, okay, after you take these steroids, we're going to see what your results are. And they all made like literally over double the strength gains they made the previous six weeks. Like they had, I think the average was 99 pounds added to their total, 45 kilos, I think it was in kilos. In six weeks, like how many people can add 45 kilos in six weeks who aren't complete beginners, right? Especially when it was double what you had done the previous six weeks. And it was all because of placebo. They gave them pills they told were steroids. They thought it was steroids. And then it turns out it wasn't. So that just shows like mindset is a lot more powerful than people give credit for. Like placebo, it absolutely does make a difference. So it's like, if you could do the same thing to yourself, like convince yourself, I have the potential to be great. Like it will absolutely make a difference. Yeah, I, I, I really, I really like that. You know, even like, and this is also like one of the things that I think is valuable about like investing in your, in your, you know, your, your progress in the, in the sport. This is something that really does matter to you because like, there's some statistics on this where like, you know, if you're just telling people like you're going to do some, some something like, you know, it's like, yeah, your chance of likelihood of achievement goes at like 10, 20%. If you actually like pay money for, for something like, it's like, you know, money is valuable to, to everyone. You have a stake in the game. Your chance of achieve, like likelihood of achievement goes up by like, to like almost hundred, hundred percent. Why? Just right. because you're sort of changing a narrative in your head of, you know, like putting down that, putting down the money or doing something like that. It's a little bit more, you know, dramatic in a sense. It's like, you're going to put more effort towards it and be more bought into it. Um, and like for myself, like what I found a lot of times with like my lectures is like, yeah, like I've had to really help out with their, with their mindset. Like as soon as they're just like, I'm just going to have fun. I'm going to enjoy the process. I'm going to understand right. that I'll, you know, there's only so many things I can do. And whatever mm -hmm. happens, happens. And I can just, we're going to, we're going to work with, with my coach or whoever's in my corner to optimize things, change things, communicate well, and not over catastrophize to like, if a block that doesn't go well, or if something doesn't feel as strong, because like that happens, like, you know, there's mm -hmm. like this past block, my, my deadlift has been the best that's I've ever been. That's been like probably the worst bench press and squat progress I've, I've had in, in, a, in a long time. And sort of just like keeping like your like your head on straight with that can be really really um, helpful because like like how do you personally respond to like a down period of training or a bad session that doesn't go like according to like plan? Yeah, so that's a, that's a good, I'm glad you brought that up because I was just going to mention between like September 2019 and November 2022, so that's 38 months, just over three years. I didn't hit like a single absolute weight PR on squat bench or deadlift. That's over three years. That was almost half my training career at that point. And then since then I've added over, I don't know, even over 200, over a hundred pounds to my total, which like for me is like adding a hundred pounds at my experience level is a lot more already. Right. So it's like, it's easy to like, uh, you was brought up like catastrophizing when you, uh, had a bad day or whatever. Right. Like, it's easy to like let it spiral out of control like after one bad thing but it's like like i said you just gotta trust the process instead of the outcome like no matter what like 
outcomes can be good for motivation. Like I want to hit this certain weight. Okay. Like that's good goal to motivate you. Right. But at the same time, like you can't always control the outcome. So like, no matter what you got to convince yourself, focus on the process, not the outcome. Like if things go bad, okay. Just like review what went wrong. If anything went wrong, like sometimes it's just bad for whatever reason. And then just keep working, working at it and trust in the process. And over time, you're going to be able to get better results. Yeah, I think that um, what you said about spiraling out of control, like, because I could absolutely like keep, keep going and affecting things. And uh, like, dude, I was like, so I work with I've worked with Eric Bodhorn for two years. Um, and we've added 200 pounds to my total since I started like seriously powerlifting. And I remember when I came to him, man, I was like, I was stalled out at like a four, like a 435 squat. And I had the terrible like self-talk around it. And I remember there was like one day where I came, came into the gym. I loaded on like, I think it was 365 for, for, for four. And I freaked out. I knew if I felt like that negative self-talk come in. And I was like, I just told, I just told myself, like, I, I, I remember it. I was like, you can do this. And I did it. And it was like, holy crap, that wasn't that bad. And like, I think that's like the expectation and like really just, just confronting that. And then like, can't just be so important. And then like, like not letting like a bad session spiral out of con con control. Like, performance like is going to, to fluctuate. It's like, you know, one of the things I always, it's, this is an extreme example, but I think extremes are good at illustrating the point. If you had a, you know, an RPE nine single, do you like, do you think you're gonna be able to do the same amount of weight or like within like, like, like the next day? That right. probably not. Does that mean yeah. that you're actually weaker? No. Exactly. Um, yeah. Performance is like a, is like a range anyways. Um, and you know, I think the chef is a really good example of that because like, you have these lifters, so like they have like, like, like their best, right. And like, you know, they could not many of them could get two and a half kilo PR. And like, it's not, it doesn't mean they're not strong, but they, it just means that it wasn't timed right. Um, right. That's another reason why too, like with like weight cutting and stuff like that, I think it's like really trendy for a lot of like newer, newer lifters, but I want to cut weight for this. It's like, they all, like, I want to get a stronger dots or whatever. It's like, just like focus on getting stronger. That's, right. you know, surprisingly, that's the best way to get to get stronger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. People focus too much on the short-term performance. Like I want to like stay in this weight class, hit this number there. And it's like, okay. But if you like look at the long term, you'll be a lot better off if you like gained weight, move up a weight class, like fill out your frame more. Like people don't realize how much like strength is just generally related to how big your muscles are. Like, Yeah. Yeah. Like that's been like, like, that's been like my biggest issue is like, I'm only like five pounds saver than I was like last year. I've still made like pretty good, pretty good progress, but like, like moving up a weight class, especially like as you're, you know, as you're a taller person, that can be a really big key to like just unlocking your strength, allowing yourself to like to, to eat more. And I know that that's something that, I, that you also did uh, as well. Um, so like, how fast would you recommend like somebody like gain weight if they are trying to move up a weight class? Well, I usually say like, go for like half pound to one pound a week weight gain. And like, if you need to like cut back, do a cut to like, get back to a lean point that's fine right i think like it's more efficient to try and like get a calorie surplus that's like going to maximize the amount of muscle you can grow in a given point in time versus trying to be like a really really slow bulk really le like lean gain like uh i find you oftentimes end up like spinning your wheels you don't gain much muscle and it takes a lot longer versus like if you just went like bit the bullet bulk hard and then cut to get rid of leanness like you end up at a better endpoint than if you had gone slow the whole time plus i, I think <sighs> that with like um strength gains especially like i know for, for me like a bigger surplus always equals like more strength gains i just recover better yeah. um yeah i'm sorry and obviously like, you don't want to like you know get so sloppy but it's wrong within that 
half of a pound to one pound per week weight weight gain. Um, like that's where I find is best too. Like I always pretty much tell people like if you're trying to go below a 200 calorie surplus, you're you're nothing's gonna happen. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. You it's might like be gaining muscle. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's, it's like, you know, like you could say like on your weight trainer, oh, I'm up a pound this month. Maybe not. Maybe you'll be down a pound the next yeah, month. Yeah, you could just eat a lot and had a lot Or of the weather or changed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, and so like you need to have some more, more of that number of less, you know, like one of the things I like to think about is like, we're going to permabulk all the time in powerlifting and cut back when we need to. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, like body composition does does matter. But it's ultimately about like where do you feel feel the best, um, like all being equal. Like if you can be be leaner a certain weight class, um, you know you'll be more, more competitive. But like the main reason like why you know I think that goals are so similar and like the little and like there's in tested versus untested in lower weight weight classes because similar amounts of muscle mass. Like mm -hmm. you know like people can be naturally like two hundred pounds and yeah. you know, be yeah. like fifteen like you know twelve fifteen percent body fat. It's a lot more rare to have somebody who's like you know 242 the same body fat yeah. percentage naturally yeah you know, especially yeah. with the heights um so like in terms of like you know long-term muscle growth um how should lifters sort of optimize their programming around that to not have us interfere so much with their strength gains because you know higher volumes can interfere with that but maximize it like in the long run like do you think it's best to do like blocks or like block, block, block periodization or an undulating program can accomplish that too. I think undulating does just fine. And like, if you look at the research, like undulating versus pure, uh, block periodization, there's no like like really long term studies, which I would like to see like multiple years, right? Because maybe like the block periodization pays off after years. But if you look at like the ones they have that are like up to a few months in length, usually undulating periodization does like as good hypertrophy as block periodization, and then like the strength gains are actually better. So I, I think undulating periodization works fine. But I mean, if you want to do blocks, uh, I doubt it's going to be that much worse. There's like some people who think that the difference in results is because like undulating better peaks you for strength. So like if you did blocks with a peak in block, it may be better. But whatever the case is, you want some time in your program, like directly working on hypertrophy. And I think like it should be like basically as much as your traditional like strength work, like low rep work as much should be dedicated to hypertrophy stuff, like either high rep compounds or isolation work, right? And then again, like how I like to, like I started having like every lifter I have, like, okay, we're gonna make a plan on like what we're gonna do for our body weight over time. Cause I wanna get you like more muscle mass at a certain leanness over time. So like in terms of like, um, you know, a, a long-term plan, like I know it's gonna you know, differ from athlete to athlete and person to person, you know, especially depending on, are they close to their genetic muscular potential or not? Um, because like, I, I have one take that might not be super accurate, but I think like somebody like Russell or he, I think he did more like strength work and stuff like this body. Like, so I think he might be even stronger, yeah. um, but who knows? Yeah. Like, you know, everybody has, yeah. yeah. And so like, um, like how would you, I guess, periodize that quote unquote, like, I know it's, yeah. How would you periodize that? <laughs> yeah. So usually like first thing is like, okay, like look at their current body composition. Are they relatively lean or not? Because the other thing, like a lot of people don't realize is like when you're getting like, to like heavier body fat percentages like it's going to take a toll on your recovery because you're just like it's going to hurt your aerobic fitness like your general health markers are going to be worse hormone levels can be worse right so like i want to make sure they're like relatively lean to begin with so if they are at like a like uh if they are at a higher body fat percentage we may cut first but then after that i'm like hey we're going to do like periods of bulk and cutting it's going to depend on each person right but usually like say like bulk 10 pounds then like we'll cut a few pounds if we're like feeling too like high body fat percentage again 
and like repeat the process. So like over time, our weight's gonna go up. But like, uh, like I'll, I'll also look at their height too. Like if somebody comes to me, they're like six foot and they're like one sixty pounds. I'm like, okay, we definitely need to like add yeah. mass to yeah. out because like if you want to be competitive as a powerlifter at like six feet tall, it's like, it's not gonna happen in the seventy four class. You're gonna need to be like, depends on each person too. Like some people like they don't like they're not trying to go to worlds, right? They just it's like a hobby to them. Mm-hmm. It also depends on like bone yeah. structure, right? Because like yeah, that too. That, that depends too, a lot. Yeah. Yeah, like some people like massive hands, massive joints, they're going to be able to add more than others. And like each person, like they probably naturally tell you like, I have problems gaining weight, I have problems losing weight or whatever, right? And then you can kind of get from that, like, okay, how, like what should be set as a realistic goal? Somebody tells me like, I have no problem like gaining weight. I'm like, okay, good. We can like, I know it's not going to be a struggle for us. Cause you want to make sure their goals are like reasonable too. Right. Like I, if I get somebody who's like five, six, I'm like, okay, I want you looking like Russell or in six months. Like it's, hmm. yeah. it's not going to happen. We, we, we all, we all wish, like I was telling people, I'm like, you know, I'm five eleven, and he's like five, six, like two Oh five. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that's thing me I like realize, being like two sixty five. Yeah. The thing I didn't realize too, is like Jesus Olivares or Jesus. Um, he's not that tall. I think he's like six one or like six, even less like six feet. He's like four. I saw him next to Taylor Atwood. He's not that much bigger, right? So yeah, like you, you don't realize, like that's a lot of mass that he's added to his frame, right? Yeah, and like that, you know, I, I think a lot of times, like, man, I think that's just so so important for like, um, lifters to really focus on just gaining weight and muscle mass, like just over time, because like, yeah, especially like it's like your 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 dots might go down a little bit in the short term, yeah. but the long run, you you, you got to think long run. Like nobody here is like I think like it's the best person to look at is like. Ed Cohen, John Hack, they yeah. constantly be, be, be getting bigger, like mm-hmm. slowly over over time. It doesn't need to be you know that this dramatic weight gain over time, but like you know, as long as you have enough volume in your program to like you know enough of those accessories or however like is best for you to get that a volume in. Because I do think like for, like for myself, I mean deadlift is probably better exercise for me because I'm more built for it than a squat is not good for like my for like my my, my legs. Um, so right. more so my my programming approach for that is going to be. I have basically two heavier sets per week and the rest of it's pretty some actual light back down technique when I push belt squat and leg press because it's better for my for, for my for my body. Um so that also plays into programming. Um, but just like intentionally eating, learning how to properly diet and really master your body weight because I can I can I fall in the shot of oh I have a hard time gaining weight, or like some people say, oh, I have a hard time losing weight. It's like you're you're choosing to make it hard. Like yeah, in yeah, all in all honesty, day, because calories in calories out right yeah it's like equation like you you can eat like eat more literally that's all it is like like i have a bunny rabbit metabolism i have to eat like over five thousand calories to to gain to gain weight mm -hmm. tough shit (laughs) you know i can't change that do it you know what you gotta do right yeah yeah it's like well um i guess ben and jerry's exist like it's like it's like bro like come on i have have like a candy bar and then you know Mm -hmm. and you're and, and you're fine so um yeah but it's just this is one topic like i'm really passionate about because like it's one thing I just think, I think a lot of the special time that they're early specialization of powerlifters are just like squat bench, squat bench, deadlift. And it's like, why am I not muscular? Like, why am I not very jacked? Like, why is it hard to make progress? It's like, because like you don't do things in my opinion, the right way. And like, I do think it is important. I had a podcast like to cheer about it. Um, I think it's important for most coaches to have a training system. Like they use for like most of their lifters, like, and obviously being able to modify it. But like for myself, what I usually do with my lifters is I look at, Okay, we're going to push our top sets, like depending on how much exposure that, that we need for week. It's going to be individual for, for, for the person. Um, and then mostly treat at all, most of our volume, though, as technique, skill practice, um, you know, 
and whatnot, but then push the accessories really hard because I found that the, you have, you can't do all three. You can't push the top set, the back downs and your accessories. Like yeah. one of those things has to be less. And I'd rather do top set intensity because that's going to be more, you know, most of your strength stimulus. And then we'll set that. So secondary characteristics of strength with the volume, like the work capacity, which helps you recover better. And then hypertrophy, which increases your ceiling for strength. Um, also, I think it can also help you be like less injury prone because um, I know that Ben Pollock was talking about how like when he was like trying to just be so light and so lean, like he was just, he was just getting hurt all the, all, all, all the time. Yeah, I definitely noticed that. Like, I know like, like theoretically you think, okay, if I have like as low body fat percentage as possible, like I'm going to be the most competitive powerlifter I can be, right? Because I'll be able to, like, I'll have the least excess weight that's not contractile tissue. But I've definitely noticed that the powerlifters who are super lean tend to get injured more. And like, also like at some point you're going to be hurting your energy levels when you get that lean. Like if you're like 10% or less, like you're starting to get the point, like you're just fatigued in general, just from being that lean. So I, I definitely think there's like, there's some benefit to having some body fat percentage versus being like stage ready almost. Brian Miner and I had a podcast talking about this. So like the body composition specifically for power up. And he was saying like, people don't realize too, like that's like more joint capsule, like support. That's more, um, you know, more better leverage is like on your legs potentially, or on yeah, your, that, on uh, your back yeah. and chest, your shoulder joints. Um, mm -hmm. Because like, I, I always stay pretty lean. Well, like when I am, a little bit fatter than I am right, 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 right now. Like I, I have a lower body fat at some point, and some, you know, it's, it's going to be a really individual too. Some people can really carry around ten percent and feel 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 fine. Um, but like, it, you know, like it's it's not a bad thing to you know accept a little bit of a body fat gain. Plus, like you know, you might look a little bit better too because like that interdigitates with, with muscle mass too. Yeah, and it can make yeah. you look bigger, fuller, more round. And yeah. I think we also have to like big and close. Yeah, say, like if you're really lean, you look big with your shirt off. But if you're like put clothes on when you're really lean, you don't look big at all. If you're natural, especially, yeah, 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 that's uh, that's that's the natty paradox. It's like one sixty five, five eleven. It's yeah. like you look crazy with your shirt off, but in clothes, yeah. it's like, are you sick? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but I I think that like I don't know, I I think that ultimately I think a training approach too, like you know if you really like just going heavy, and if you're whatnot like. Um, because I do think there's a lot, a lot of like talk about, you know, we need to go like lighter in general and mm -hmm. like, and then you have other people like saying, oh no, I think we need to go heavier in general. I really, honestly, I want to get, want to get what, what you, you think about this. I think a lot of times what is more optimal for a lifter leans into their psychological preference. And I mm -hmm. think that as you know, because there's so many different ways to get, to get stronger and good coaches know, know that I think a good coach should be able to change like the, the program into all you know accommodate for that um for the what the lifter enjoys the most and what they like doing what they leaned more more towards psychologically because they're probably going to see better results like that yeah yeah absolutely i'll just to, like i'll start off like a middle ground like intensity wise um and then see how they respond to that like like i said earlier like some clients i'll give heavy singles year round and they'll do just fine like that works well for them like other guys, I give them heavy singles year round and they're just like run themselves into the ground, right? Like they never get over it in like all, some will have to like uh, skew their intensities lower. Like I usually like start a block, like I'll be like, some people would be like 80% for doubles. That's good for them. But other people, they don't handle intensity well. So we'll start like 75% or other people handle intensity great. So we'll go like 84%, something like that, right? And 
on top of that, like, there's also, like, like you said, personal preference as well. Like, people don't realize, like, you have, like, what's theoretically optimal, right? But it's, like, we're still, we're still humans, right? Like, people are going to do things they enjoy doing, and they're going to be less motivated to do things they don't enjoy doing. So if they, like, if they, like, like, I'm, like, I don't like this triceps exercise. I don't think it's the most optimal. But they really enjoy doing it. Like, I'm fine programming it for them, right? Because, like, it's going to be, like, a feedback cycle where they enjoy doing it. They're going to give better effort. They're going to get better results that way. And then it's just better off to adapt to their preferences. Yeah. yeah. You know, because I, I do, I do, I have the same approach, you know, middle, middle ground will adjust things. Because there are some people that are really weird, like, on some of us, like, they have to go really, really light on their deadlift or something like that. Or some people respond really well, like, singles, like, like year-round. Personally, for myself and what I found, most people, I find that, like, I am actually more, this is my philosophy. I think singles work better for, like, more beginners and more advanced lifters because beginners can make, like, more of those adaptations, like, faster. Whereas advanced tend to, like, need more of that, you know, 80% plus loading year-round. Mm -hmm. um, whereas I think, like, intermediates, they benefit more, more from variation than any other athlete just because, like, they're learning a lot of different, different skills and whatnot. Like, it's, it's, like, you know, for lots of people, too, like, you know, I don't find that I think most, most people don't respond very well to high intensity year round singles and like okay. having like, it's also like more motivating. Like, you know, if you're undulating through like, you know, like, like Marcellus Williams does threes, twos, and ones, and then you come back around to like, you know, another rep scheme, it would be kind of motivating to like PR. Um, but like, I, uh, with like the higher end intensity stuff, like what I'll do with a lot of those, those guys that like, uh, if I if I'm like, Hey, please like try to like do what I'm telling you to do. They're always like not doing it. I'm like, okay, well, I'll become, a, I'll probably have a come to, I'll become just voicemail saying, hey, I really think you should still give this a shot because I really think that this, this, this could, could work for you. However, we can try it your way. I'm just going to change the program a little bit, which usually means like, a, like a, I'll usually give them like a single at like eight, like, or, or nine, like every, every single week and super like, 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 light back down work, then like progress their, their, their loads on like their secondary day with like a, you know, a progressive RRPE. Um, and sometimes that, that works. Um, I guess I want to ask you the last, last question is um, like pacing, pro like progression during a training block. Um, because we said something earlier about absolute loading and about how when you are stronger, sometimes it makes more sense to like take bigger jumps. And like also just like the, the, the difference with like, the, like between, you know, a single at six when you are an 800 pound squatter is bigger with the jackable than you're a 400 pound squatter. Right. So, like, how do you think that plays into, like, how fast you should progress? Because I know that, you know, Marcellus Williams and whatnot, and Charlie Dixon, I've talked to him about this, too. Like, he's had really good success with having, like, bigger jumps. But yeah. I, I, do you think that is, like, that, that is, how, like, what would you think, like, that would, like, depend on? Yeah, so the way you're talking about, like, the Marcellus way, I've actually started doing that. Typically, if my more experienced lifters, like, guys like Christian, or like I coach myself too, right? Like, so like during my peaking phases, I'm doing the big jumps as well. And I think it absolutely is like, once you get more advanced, the absolute loading is higher, right? Like it's not sustainable to try and do like super heavyweight singles every single week. Cause it's just so much like net fatigue on you. So it, it helps to like, um, you know, you still do the single at lightweight, like practice executing for one rep, but then you're adding weight week to week and you build like nice momentum that way as well which is like good psychologically. And that's like the other thing, like some lifters are like, they doubt themselves a lot. Like I had this one guy, he told me his max was 290. And then like, I'm like, okay. And then I programmed the weights based off of it. And it's like, they're like all like warm up speed. I'm like, okay, like I don't think 290 is your actual max. 
And then like, I had them like start doing a linear progression single. And I started at like 280, which was like 10 pounds on theirs max. And in like a few weeks, we we're hitting 340, which is like, I didn't make him 50 pounds stronger in a few weeks. He was just like massively undershooting, right? So that's the other thing is like building up momentum for them can teach them like psychologically to trust themselves more if they're the type of person to doubt their abilities on top sets, like they get in their head and they like start, um, you know, like I, I'm not going to be able to hit this weight. And it's like, no, we're going to prove it to you because we're going to add weight week to week and you're going to see it's still moving super easy and you're going to like be able to convince yourself, okay, I can hit this X weight or whatever. Yeah, I think there's, I, I think though you said there is absolutely what I've noticed too, because if you're starting off like really heavy or whatnot, like and everything feels like it's pretty hard, it's hard to build confidence. Yeah. yeah everything's feeling like, pretty yeah. good. How, how do you build when you're already at the top end, right? And like, and, and to be honest with you, like I was looking over like this, this last block, like what did I not do well on like my squat or on my, or on like my, my, my bench? I'm like, I start off too, too heavy. And so like when I got to like that point, I was like, I was around like the same weight for like three weeks. And like, that was just really hard for me to like progressive. My intensity was just too, too high. So like right. giving, I think it, it does take some experimentation, like finding like that optimal, like one optimal jump point for you is like really good. Um, I, I, we're, we're coming up on the hour. I guess my last point is, um, do you gravitate more towards deal weeks or pivot weeks with your fatigue management? I usually do deload weeks and then I'll just like cut volume a bit, let them get down that baseline fatigue. I do think pivot weeks can be uh, useful for some people who kind of get like bored with training easily though. Like they're just like, they're like, uh, like my programs don't change much week to week typically, like only really the loading and the rep ranges change, but like we're still doing the same exercises. We're, we're not like making massive changes to loading that much. So it's like, it can get stale. I get it. So it's like some people all do like pivots. I'm like, okay, we're going to do like different exercises as well, but you like, let you like change things up a bit, mentally refresh, and then get back to pushing. But yeah, ma mainly mainly deloading, just uh, decreasing volume because there's also like the, the like novel stimulus. It can be more fatiguing for a given amount of work if you're not adapted to it. Like there's, I know there's studies looking into like the muscle damage like on an exercise you're used to doing versus one you don't do, even if it's like the same muscle. Yeah, like I I um I do pivot weeks like for myself personally. Like just like I keep like the exact same for a pivot week, but it's like the same exercise I always do. Like I just add like five pounds to it, like whenever I'm I'm doing it, and like that for me is like really motivating. It's like it's something different. So I I kind of get bored and like oh like I'm still making progress or it's like it feels like less like I am like moving backwards. <laughs> it's like, right. like 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 you know a same what like it's like you know just a deal week. Um, but it also can be like one of the reasons like why it can be so psychologically beneficial for somebody like deal week. It's like oh I'm just chilling. Like I'm gonna yeah. like relax. Um. Another strategy that like, I use sometimes is just like intro weeks, um, like like we like we'll like wave load into like a, a first week. But I find that's like like I find that is less good for stronger lifters. Like usually stronger lifters do need a little bit more aggressive fatigue management. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's where the like big jumps come into. Like if they're having a really easy week on yeah. the top set, it's gonna be like way different. Like having like it can be like load legitimately like you're adding 100 pounds over like a few weeks just from those bigger jumps and that's going to take like the absolute especially like on squad deadlift like that axial loading like 100 pound difference like huge yeah 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 it's, it's, it's always really interesting to me too seeing like the interplay between squats and deadlifts and yeah. like how much like your split might need to change or like i just switched from like conventional or single to conventional 
I'm stronger at it. And like, it's really affected like my squat. It's yeah, like having yeah. to like, 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 like change things there. Like that's also an, another thing. It's like, um, that's a really great point too. But um, Matt, I want to thank you so much for coming on. Uh, people want to want to find you, hire you for, for, for coaching or whatnot. Um, where can they go? Yeah, so just at Matt Venna on Instagram and my email is mattvenna at live.ca. I also got YouTube as well, just my name again, Matt Venna, TikTok, Matt Venna, all easy, easy to find, it's just my name. Sweet. Well, those will all be in the show notes below. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for, for coming on. Uh, as a listener, thank you for listening. Catch you guys in the next one.